Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 778. Well, you know, it's very simple. My grandfather told me when I was young, whatever it is you do, do the best you can. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, a longtime friend of mine, Tim Willard. Hey, Tim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready, Mark. Let's do it. All right. Great to see you. Great to hear you. Tim Willard was four years old when he sat on his father's lap and steered the family's Pontiac Chieftain down an old dirt road. In high school, he worked at a local Alfa Romeo dealership in Tacoma, learning his craft on Italian marks, including Ferrari, Maserati, and Lamborghini. He was a race mechanic with some top teams competing in Formula Atlantic, Indy Lights, and IMSA GTP, and later, he restored cars with past Cars yeah guest Butch Dennison, who then worked with Pete Lovely at Pete Lovely Racing. He served as a tech with BMW Northwest when I met him and then spent 15 years with me at Griot's Garage as a product development specialist and then a curator and restorer for the owner's private collection. Today, Tim is a senior restoration technician at Denison International in Puyallup, Washington, where they restore Pebble Beach winning automobiles and service vintage race cars and touring cars for their clients. And the owner, Butch Dennison, has been a past guest here on Cars Yeah as well. So, Tim, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Oh, yeah. It's been a long career spanning over 35 years, and it's been uh, a joy. It's It's been a curse, but it certainly has <laughs> been a, a ride that I won't ever forget. One of my favorite uh, cars that I've ever worked on was a, an early car that I worked on with Butch. It was a, a Ferrari 312 Formula One car. And I remember coming into Butch's shop and him saying, well, this is the car we need to restore so jump right on it. So there's nothing like jumping in the fire and uh, <laughs> restoring your first Ferrari Formula One car. So that was a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a journey. It's been a very good learning experience for me. It's been humbling at times and it's been uh, frustrating at times. But, you know, the thing I enjoy about my job now is that I, I wake up every morning. I get to drive to a, a shop full of dedicated professionals and I'm living the dream. Well, you are. You're at one of the finest restoration shops in the world. Dennis International, Butch and his team are top-notch guys. They've restored cars that have rolled across the podium at Pebble Beach, that have driven on virtually every vintage race track and race around the world. It's absolutely spectacular. Now, tell our listeners, as I said, I worked with Tim for 15-plus years. I've known Tim for a long time. He is a very, very talented mechanic. He helped me back when I was vintage racing. He would stay late with me many a night when I was trying to figure out how to make my Lotus... uh, Formula Junior work or the Lola T290 that I raced. My son was a uh, intern at the company for a while and he took uh, Blake under his wing and was so nice to him and kind of did the same thing that Butch did to you. I remember Blake coming home one night and saying, Dad, Tim wants me to work on a Daytona Ferrari and just said, just start taking it apart. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and a uh, little, little uh, time <laughs> went on and with a little uh, encouragement from you, by golly, he did help restore that Daytona and he still talks about that today. So I thank you for your kindness and friendship over all these years, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, one of the things that I've come to realize in, in my advanced years is that 
you need to give back. I've had a lot of really great mentors who helped me along that saw something in me that I didn't really see that actually helped guide me through the process. So I, I feel it's uh, your responsibility to give back, if nothing else, to keep the hobby going, to try and kindle that fire that burns inside young people that want to work on cars. So it's not only a responsibility, but I get great pleasure in doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Tim, take the wheel. Well, you know, it's very simple. My grandfather told me when I was young, whatever it is you do, do the best you can. Mm. Whether it's digging a ditch, someone will take notice and you'll advance to to greater things. And and I've tried to to live that. Anything that I do, I've tried to do the best that I can. doesn't necessarily mean we always achieve it, but you you certainly want to try. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll let our listeners know again, I mentioned earlier, I met Tim when he was working at BMW Northwest as the guy that you talk to when you bring a car in for repairs. And he was so nice to me and helpful, but I could tell that He wasn't quite in his perfect element, and I realized after talking to Tim a little bit, this guy had some talent, so I hired him away to work for me, work with me, I should say, uh, when we were at Creo's Garage together. We had a really good time. We developed all sorts of cool products for the company. As I said, we'd stay late and work on cars. He helped me learn a lot about cars, about machining things and making things. Tim designed a lot of cool stuff, so you've been one of those guys in other people's lives as well, but I could tell that when we worked together, you were all about doing the best you could. In fact, many times Tim and I would get frustrated when the people around us were performing at the level that we thought they should be performing. So uh, we helped each other along there a little bit. How have you incorporated that success quote into what you're doing now at Denison International? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that I've, I've learned over the years is to, to use best practices. Unfortunately, I've been in the business long enough to, to learn systems and procedures to get the best results. And and. Butch Dennison has very exacting standards, and working with him previously, I'm familiar with uh, his work ethic and the way that he likes things finished, and so it's it's been real uh, real easy for me to to just do the best that I can, knowing that that's how Butch would want it. So it's it, it's a little bit easier for me to come back working with Butch because I kind of know what he expects, and in this environment particularly in the racing portion of it, you know, it, it could be life or death. You don't just assume something. You you make sure you know something. If, if there's an issue that you want to dive into to, to correct, you have the freedom to do that. Butch is aware of that. He's been around long enough, and he encourages that. that one comment he made is that's why I like hiring race guys, because they're always looking for problems. Right. They're always looking for, you know, defects. And normal street mechanics don't really have that same mindset. So that's one of the things I enjoy is to take something that may be a, a little worn, uh, a little... Uh, you know, tattered, and to make it shiny and make it new and make it run well again. Yeah, no, it's true. And I remember, Tim, one day, you, one night, actually, we were lurk, working late at the office together, and uh, we were actually taking my Lotus 18 apart. I was preparing it for racing, and, uh, yeah, I was looking at some of the parts going, well, I really have to crack test these. And I remember you look at me saying, well, how valuable is your life? <laughs> and you, yeah, always, exactly. you always had a very, very matter-of-fact way of saying things, and I... <laughs> I just kind of went, yeah, it's kind of important. Let's crack test every one of these darn suspension parts. So, uh, and I'm glad we did because we found one that was cracked inside. 
Yeah, funny story on crack checking. I'm working on a, an old 1959 Witten sports racer, a home-built Canadian uh, race car. There was some damage to the left rear of the car. It was replaced with new parts. Even though we assumed the parts would be good, I decided, well, let's send them out and have them crack checked. And, and sure enough, two of the parts did show up with cracks. And mm. so you, you can't assume anything. Right. You can't assume a, a, a previously good part is going to be good when you put it on the car. Uh, you, you have to know. And, you know, the, again, the, the customers I work with now, they're professional businessmen. They have businesses to run. They have families to go home to. They aren't doing this for a living. They're doing it for a hobby. So, one, it has to be reliable and it has to be safe. Most importantly, you have to make sure the driver can get out of the car and go home. So, yeah, safety is a major part of what we do at Denison. We look at seatbelt dates, so they're changed uh, correctly. We also look at fire extinguishers. We look at electrical. We look at everything that could affect the driver's safety. And then performance comes after that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. You know, I feel like I'm talking to such a, uh, an old friend here that I probably know all the answers to these questions that you're going <laughs> to give me. But you know what? I think you might surprise me a little bit, too. So this will be a little fun for me. Let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back and maybe you're sitting on your dad's lap in that Pontiac Chieftain when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? Well, you know, it's funny you mention that, Mark. I remember there was a theater in Parkland, a movie theater. It was the summer, and my brother and I, we decided to take the bus out and go see a movie. The movie that was playing was called Funny Car Summer with <laughs> Big Jim Dunn. He was a, a yeah. fireman and a part-time drag racer. And after seeing that movie, I was so excited about cars and, you know, got really heavily involved with drag racing. You know, as, as far as, you know, a, a eight- or nine-year-old kid could, you know, read all the magazines, even went out to the track. I think that was one of the pivotal moments that kind of sparked my interest. Prior to that, I was always interested in tools and in taking things apart and building things. You know, I'd, I'd take a, a you know a, a pile of wood and build a fort or something out of it. I remember going to the hardware store and the lady looked at me, how many nails do you need? And I said, um, 12, <laughs> not knowing that she bought nails by the pound. And she just looked at me and gave me a handful of nails and said, well, here you go. Yeah. So it, it was kind of fun there. But yeah, I think that was one of the pivotal moments. And I, I have to thank one of my earliest mentors, my fifth grade teacher, for recognizing some of that and got me involved with model building. Mm. We had a program after school, and, and Mr. Campbell, he was a model builder, and he liked classics, Duesenberg's Packards, those sorts of things. And so he was able to get some funding, get some models together, and have an after-school class where you just built models, and he would kind of help kids along. And, you know, model building uh, back then was really popular for kids. You can go to the local drugstore, spend $2, and get a decent model from Ravel. Nowadays, I don't know if kids build models anymore, but it, it was certainly a passion of mine and certainly allowed me to see how parts work. And one interesting story is, uh, you know, when I became a little older and got more involved with Formula One racing, I remember taking a Ferrari 312T that was driven by Nicky Lauda and building it into a model. And I was fortunate enough a few years ago to actually restore a Nicky Lauda Ferrari 312T. I told the owner at the time, you know, I built this car before, so I know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> started out as a, a full detail, turned into a full restoration, and, and that was probably another pivotal moment in my life. Right. Well, I know that car really well, and the restoration work you did in that car was absolutely spectacular. I know it's earned some uh, awards. I think one was at Amelia Island, right? Yes, yes. And the car's been accepted to Pebble Beach. So uh, 
It'll be the owner's first uh, trip to Pebble Beach with the car of his own, and hopefully I'll be able to tag along and, and do some work with the car and maybe uh, come back with some more hardware. Smile a little bit. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Boy, I wish they had model building classes after school where I went to school. <laughs> we just uh, went to the beach and surfed, so uh, which wasn't bad. I did build yeah. a model, a lot of models as a kid as well. Well, Tim, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down, which have been many. I want to ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. And of course, the most important part of this question isn't so much the actual incident. It's how that experience help you gain even more momentum in your career and your business and what it taught you? Boy, that's a, that's a real tough one. I can probably name two, and these are kind of personal. One would be the death of my older brother, Bob. Yeah. It encouraged me to, to not take life for granted, to actually go out and pursue my dream. That's when I decided it was time to, to leave Alfa Romeo Tacoma and pursue a life in, uh, in racing. I uh, got involved with Sport 2000 racing through a local uh, competitor, a business owner. At the time, there was the Tacoma Grand Prix going on. So I volunteered to you know, work for free just to get some experience. Well, during that process, I was able to meet some people. Um, one of them had a shop at Sears Point in uh, Sonoma, California, and he needed some help the, the next year at uh, the runoffs in Atlanta. So uh, one thing led to another, and uh, pretty soon I was packing my bags and leaving for uh, Sonoma to, to pursue my dream of racing. And that's where most of my professional racing experience came from. Nice. Worked my way up from uh, Formula Fords and Sport 2000s, and it opened many doors for me. And it was just a matter of me deciding that, uh, you know, I'm not going to let my life be what it could have been. What some of my uh, other friends chose to do is stay in the same old town and, you know, kick the same old can down the road, hoping something better would come along. I actually went out and did it. Uh, the other one was probably uh, later on in my racing career when my youngest brother died. He was a 12-year-old. He was riding a skateboard, and he had seen the movie Back to the Future. And so he was riding a skateboard, grabbed onto the side of a truck, fell off his board, and uh, got run over and killed. Uh. 12-year-old boy. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was terrible. You yes. know, I had dreams of maybe racing with my brother someday, strapping him into a car and mm -hmm. enjoying some time with him. Yeah. But it made me realize that family was really important, that I needed to get back home and, and uh, you know, be with my family. So that was probably the other pivotal moment. And that's uh, when I started working for Butch doing the, the vintage racing cars and the restoration work. Again, pursuing my passion inside the shop. And after a while, you get tired of traveling and living out of a suitcase. So the, the opportunity was right for me to do that. Well, I appreciate you sharing two really personal stories with us today, uh, heartbreaking stories, tragic stories. But I know your brothers would be really proud of you. And I know that their loss helped spur you to do more with your life and be positive about your life. And my gosh, the things you've been able to do since then and the decisions you made definitely are worth looking back on with a smile. So kudos to you for... Uh, taking that as a positive as much as it could be. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Now, you've done a lot of different things. Most of them, if not all, have been in the automotive field. This is one of those times when those headlights come on, those Marshall headlights that I'm sure you've worked on before, and they kind of illuminate a way for a new direction in your career path. So tell us about those steps and what your aha moment was all about. Well, I'll tell you, Mark, that probably comes working with you in developing products. You know, that was kind of uh, a step away from what I was used to. But again, it was a time where we could be creative 
and think outside the box. And for me, it was a little difficult to do, but having all the brilliant people around me allowed me to participate in the process and also learn in the process. So Mm -hmm. it, it actually helped get me out of my shell of thinking that things are black and white and they need to be done this way or that way. Right. And, and realizing that, well, if you can't do it like this, how can you do it? And maybe you're not asking the right question. Maybe if you can't find a, a solution to your question, you need to ask a different question to find a solution. <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying, how can I make it do this? How can I not make it do that? And so that was kind of my aha moment is, well, you know, we, we have all these, these great ideas, but what is it that we want it to do? Or what is it that we don't want it to do? And that was kind of a, a turning point for me that, that I learned uh, working with you. Well, it was certainly fun. Those years were absolutely spectacular. And you and I developed so many, I mean, hundreds of cool products from chemicals to work on car care products to hard goods, coming up with ways to take a product from a vendor and make it better and brand it. And we certainly did a lot of that. I think together we drove oh, some, man. we drove some vendors crazy, didn't we? <laughs> so I say, it's got to be better. <laughs> got to be better. Yeah, yeah. Those are uh, some great fun. I had a really grand time working with you. It was really uh, some of my most favorite parts of my career when I was at Griot's Garage. Well, let's talk about a proudest career moment for you. I would assume you've had many. You've made a lot of people happy with the cars you restored, the things you've created for them. But is there one moment that stands out for you? Boy, career-wise or or personal? Could be either. Well, I'll tell you. The one thing that I would say that after coming to work with you, I had this sense of well-being, this sense that I've I've come someplace where where I've been accepted, that, you know, I can actually try to do my best. And that allowed me to open up and be willing to accept someone into my life. Mm, And that's when I met my my wife, Carla. Carla, yes, lovely Carla. Yes, and we just celebrated our 14th dating anniversary on May 18th. Woohoo! It was fun. Yeah, we we looked at some old pictures, and, you know, it's funny how uh, our our early relationship kind of, you know, revolved around Griot's Garage and Griot's Garage activities and and you and uh, some of the other things that we're involved with. I mean, you know, as as you know, you're part of the family, and Carla's been a part of the the ride the whole way along. So it's kind of hard to, to kind of separate the two. But yeah. that's probably my proudest moment is being able to, to meet my beautiful wife and then finally uh, marry her. Uh, I have a tear in my eye here because, you know, as I, <laughs> if I told the listeners, I've known Tim for a long time. And uh, when he met Carla, it was so special. And they dated and he would talk about her with this beaming look on his face. And of course, uh, my wife, Jill, and I had the joy and pleasure and honor of being at your wedding and seeing you guys, uh, you know, exchange your wedding vows. So uh, very, very nice. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a very small group, but very close friends. Yeah, it was a great, great day. Well, let's have a little bit of fun again and go back in time. I would love for you to share your first really special car, that car that you finally got that you went, man, I've always wanted something like this, and a special memory about that vehicle. Well, I'll tell you, there have been a lot of them. Uh, the one that I can think of, the, the first really special vehicle was my 78 Alfa Romeo um, Alfetta GT. It was a car that was uh, purchased at Alfa Tacoma. It was sitting in the basement for years. It had, uh, I think it was a, a, a crack valve. Um, it had a worn out clutch. It was sitting in the basement. They decided they wanted to repaint it, but nobody really had the time to finish it up. And so... It kind of sat there, and every day I walked past that car, you know, bright red Italian car, thinking, wow, wouldn't this be cool to have? And finally, 
I talked to Lino, one of the owners, and I said, Lino, what would you take for that car as is? Well, as it goes, he gave me an offer I couldn't refuse, and so that car was mine. And uh, his brother, Carlo, who ran the shop, offered to help me after hours uh, do the valve job on the head, replace the clutch and the driveline couplings, and get the car running so I could actually drive it. So that car was really special. It was a car I owned when I moved to California. And while living down there, made many trips up and down I-5 to come back up and visit my family and go back down to work. And uh, yeah, it's a car that I, I really enjoyed having and, and kind of miss uh, today. Uh, if I could have it back, I would certainly certainly enjoy having that uh, the, those memories again. Well, that's my next question is the seller's remorse, tear in the eye question. Uh, the car that you wish you could have back in your garage, is that indeed the one? Well, I'll tell you a story about uh, the car I'd rather have back. Now, that car was fun, but it was Italian. It was a little temperamental. <laughs> it got to the point that after uh, 180,000 miles and uh, the rich-running Weber carburetors I installed, it, uh, it was lacking compression one winter, and it just wouldn't start anymore. So I decided, damn it, I'm going to get myself a, you know, a reliable Honda car. Well, that didn't last long. <laughs> boring. <laughs> yeah, boring. And I think when you and I met, I was driving a, a E30 BMW 3 PIS. Yeah, that's the Rasputin car that will never die. <laughs> that's that's exactly true. So I, I think I have a little bit of remorse selling that one. Would love to have it back. Um, a little history on that car. I bought it, again, bought it used, working at BMW Northwest, but we had all the service history on the car. Right. And the car had been serviced by, by it had over 250,000 miles on it, but the, the owner lived in Olympia and drove to Aberdeen every day. So it was all highway miles. Right. And he maintained the car at BMW Northwest. He traded it in so that he can get a, a newer BMW. Uh, Manfred, the owner of BMW Northwest, he was just going to wholesale it because, you know, it's not something they'd want to carry on the lot. So again, I, I said, Manfred, what do you take for the car? And he said, uh, how about two grand? Okay, great. Two grand, I'll take it. And so it was the best $2,000 I spent. You know, I maintained the car. I worked on the car. But when I parked the car, and I say I parked the car because I, I didn't sell it at the time that I traded up, it had uh, 440,000 yeah, miles I, rem on. I remember that. The car that wouldn't die. <laughs> it wouldn't die. And I, I'll tell you, one of the secrets to, to that success is scheduled maintenance, oil changes. I religiously changed the oil every 5,000 miles in that car, and it just wouldn't stop running. And it was a great car. I really enjoyed having it. Uh, when I parked it, it was in a spot uh, uh, that someone was letting me use, and they needed to have the space back. Well, the battery was long since dead, so I pulled it out, and it probably hadn't started for a year. So I, I sold it to a friend whose son was a BMW enthusiast and actually raced BMW. And I, sh I told him a picture. I need to get rid of this car, you know. He said, well, will you take $2,000 for it? <laughs> I figured, well, I paid two. I get two back? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Four. sold. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he looked at it, and he couldn't believe, is that thing raised up? Is that an IX? No, I've never done anything to it. It's stock. Everything's been maintained with stock pieces. Right. And he brought a BMW specialist by to look at it, and he looked at all the fenders. And on the older BMWs, they actually have serial numbers etched in on stickers that are attached to all the original fenders. My car had all of them. Yeah. It was you know original car, never crashed. Original interior, and so, yeah, he was really happy to have it. Pulled a jumper box out of his trailer, plugged it into the to the battery cables, not a battery because the battery's been taken out, 
she cranked over and fired right <laughs> up with, without missing a beat. Yeah. Like she wanted to live again. Yep. So that, that that's the car I'd probably want back. But it went to a really good home. The owner actually has a, a body shop, buyer's custom and, and restoration. And uh, his son, Kyle, just loves the car. He sent me a, a picture of it recently where he buffed it out and put new wheels on it. And he did some interior work. But it's not a car that's going to get cut up and made into a racer. It's it's going to be a car that they're going to probably lovingly restore and, and, and keep it on the road. I'd yeah. like to see it go half a million. Yeah. So that would be a pleasure for me. But that's probably the one that I, I would love to have had so that I myself could have restored it. Yeah, I know that car well. We went to lunch and dinner many times in that car. And John Byers, fantastic paint and body shop. I really would love to get him to be a guest on the show. And a shout out to John because today he became a grandfather for the first time. So pretty darn special. So congratulations to John and your family for uh, the birth of your first grandchild. Very nice. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What has you excited and fired up? What are some of the projects you can share with us that you're working on at Denison International? I see some postings on Instagram and Facebook of some of the very cool stuff that you're doing. I mean, they only work on the best of the best at Denison. So what has you excited? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that Butch has done recently is he's taken on more and more service work. And uh, the, the cars that he services are Oftentimes, the cars that he's restored or they're cars that are in his customer's collection that they, they don't trust anybody but Butch. So uh, there was a really cool uh, Ferrari uh, 500 Mondial that uh, had an engine issue that I was working on. Pulled the engine out, sent it off to our uh, craftsman in the engine uh, room, and they were able to get the problem solved. So that's one that I'm working on. I, I say the 500 Mondial because it's one car that has not been restored. The owner is adamant that the car remain original. And if you saw it on the road, you would think that the car had been neglected. It's it's just a car that's been maintained. It's it's not really neglect per se. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's something that, that I'm really excited to work on. It's a Ferrari four-cylinder engine, a dual Weber carburetors, two-liter displacement. It probably puts out maybe 130 horsepower, but it's got a non-synchro trans mission. I mean, it's it's like driving a truck. <laughs> and when they talk about the classic Italian driving position, yeah. you know, they must be like penguins because your legs are cramped <laughs> up against the steering wheel. Yeah. Um, you know, your your arms are stretched straight out and that, that must be the way that they're built. Uh, but uh, yeah, it has that classic Italian driving position that everybody knows and loves. And it's, like I say, it's a car you have to know how to drive. You have to double clutch on upshifts. You have to be real patient when you go from first to second gear you can't just grab the gear otherwise you're going to miss it so you have to be really careful but really deliberate so it's a car from the the early 50s and and that's one of the things that has me excited because i enjoy maintaining history not only uh, restoring it but maintaining it another car that we're working on i mentioned before uh, a 1959 whitney Mm -hmm. it's a, a sports racer special that was built in montreal and it's a car that, uh, well, back in the day, it's uh, it was built in someone's garage at home. They had a dream, and they had a, a bunch of parts. It has Buick drum brakes in the back, MG brakes in the front. It has a Chevrolet uh, 283 V8 taken from a Corvette. You know, it's just kind of a bits of car. It's, it's a little rough and a little bit crude. But the owner likes it because it's pure. It's what racing was back then. And his driving style is pretty much, you know, gas it on the straightaway and just kind of limp around the corners. 
which in my opinion is a good approach in old vintage racing cars. And he, he really likes the car and he wants to invest and, and get the car going again. And the one thing that I like is that Butch kind of attracts these unusual, rare and unique cars. And some of the cars I've never seen before, but any, any mechanic who has basic knowledge could probably work on them. Another car that has me excited, I'm probably the only one in the shop, we've got a 51 Kaiser Sun Goddess. Now, the Kaiser Sun Goddess... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've never worked on a Kaiser, seen a Kaiser until I started working on this one. But it was a design study. They they based it on the, the deluxe coupe. And what they were doing is uh, doing styling designs with the roof line and trying to make them more sleek. At the time, the Deluxe Coupe had these really thick um, window rails that kind of blended into the roof. Well, this one had really thin stainless steel window frames, a little bit more like the Chevrolets and the Fords. And they were trying to, to make the, the car look a little bit more elegant, a little more airy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, painted this Tiffany box blue with an off-white, kind of a, a grayish-white top. And it has this weird, I, I can't think of any other word, this weird, what they call dragon skin vinyl upholstery. Dragon it's skin? Dragon skin. It's white and teal blue. It's like a teal blue crazing, almost like the cracking you see in leather. Right. But it's white with the, the teal crackling. And then there's this weird design on the inserts of the scene. It's it's uh, more geometric in these random circles that are on a, a cloth insert. So we've had a hard time getting the cloth made. We have to make all this stuff from scratch, but Denison has all the resources for that. And I've been working lately on getting the windows to fit, getting the, the hydraulic window lift systems to fit. Come to find out that the rear windows never really work because it was just a show car. They didn't really want the windows to work. They just wanted to, to show the car and the roof line and styling exercise well someone along the line decided well i'm going to drive this car and i'm going to make the windows work and so they adapted a a, an early buick hydraulic window lift system and it was used on buicks and i think some cadillacs and the window tracks they kind of work but they were bound up and not really adjusted right and they they kind of work but not the way that Denison International wants them to work. So I spent oh, probably a good month working on that to make them work, cutting the frames and getting the gaps just right. And it's it's, it's an ongoing project, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the owner really loves the car and he wants the car to be perfect, yeah. which is why he brought it to our shop. So yeah, yeah. that has me excited because, one, I've, I've never worked on a Kaiser, and two, it's a pretty rare and unique car. It's one of one. So I, I try to look at, at unique perspective of these cars. You know, at some point, some guy had this crazy idea to build a car. Mm -hmm. I've been told, you know, you shouldn't take this so serious. It's not life or death. Well, no, it's not life or death. It's more important than that. We're maintaining a legacy. Right. So for me, it's really important to get it right. Absolutely. And at Dennis International, that's what they do. They get everything right. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Tim. If you were a car, what kind of car would Tim be and why? Oh, geez. Yeah, that's a good question. Boy, you know, Mark, I I turned 54 years old this year, and the car I was, you know, 20 years ago certainly isn't the car that I am. (laughs) Yeah, me either, buddy. (laughs) I I would probably say uh, maybe a a Mercedes 240D sedan. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm not built for speed anymore, built more for comfort, not as fast as I used to be, but, you know, in the long run, I'll get there. 
So that's, that's probably what I would say that that's the kind of car I am today. Well, there you go. You know? Thanks for putting some thought to that. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, Tim, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Tim, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. You've been around many racetracks. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh, geez, that's that's a tough one. Um, always go back to basics. Mm. that's the best advice you know don't assume always go back to basics check compression check for spark check for fuel you know whenever you're uh, working on a car go back to basics yeah absolutely you remember that night we were working on that 914 of mine with the uh, starter electrical issue and we were sitting in the front of the car and we could not figure out what was going on we checked everything and you said just that he goes you know when you're dealing with electrics go back to basics and you look down at that little plastic cover that said seat belts that lights up when you turn the lights mm-hmm. on and that was where the problem was that was the that short damn screw that yes. screw that went right through that wire i remember that yes yep. <laughs> back to basics oh yeah, I was we ready had to... the wiring diagram out we were looking and then once we found the screw we went back to the diagram and traced oh yeah that traces back to the dash which gets power from here which okay yeah how many oh. how many starting switches did i burn through i think three of them oh, so yeah. and those are yeah. very hard to find they're unobtainium so oh yes yeah that was the problem left to us by the previous owner i might yep. add it yeah yes absolutely but we did figure it out thanks to you now would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years 
Well, yeah, I'll go back to uh, best practices. Again, the 35 plus years that I've been in the business, I've I've learned a set of practices that that have done me very well. Never assume anything. Always clean. Clean everything. (laughs) Cleaning helps not only make the part better, it also helps you examine the part and look for problems. So best practices, clean your parts, examine your parts thoroughly. Don't assume that because it's brand new out of the box, it's going to be be very good, especially the parts that come from offshore these days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just just be very thorough and be very careful and, and just take a look and don't assume anything. Right. I'll never forget my son Blake was in high school. He was interning with you working on that Daytona and other cars in the shop. And I remember one night he came home from dinner. He said, Dad, I thought you were a really, you know, anal retentive nutcase when it came to cleaning this. Tim is at a different level. <laughs> so he paid you a compliment oh, yeah. with that. <laughs> well, thank you. And Blake did a great job on that car. I mean, I, I got him to the point where, you know, a, a toothbrush was an everyday tool for cleaning. You, yeah. you just clean, clean, clean. You know, a clean car not only is good to drive, good to sit in, but your mechanic looks at it and he takes a little bit different approach when he, you know, works on your car. So it makes a big difference. Absolutely. Now, about a resource, there's tons of great resources out there, suppliers, websites, apps, people. What's a resource you'd like to share with the Cars Yow listeners? Oh, geez. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, there's so many different uh, makes and models and specialists out there. It's really hard to say what one is. The Internet has made it so much easier to, to find good resources. But if you go with uh, any type of specialist, if you're working on uh, Porsches, I've had really good luck with Pelican Parts. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they also do BMW and Mercedes. Uh, yeah. That's one of the resources that I like. The other thing I like about it is that oftentimes a lot of their parts transfer over to other cars, like, for example... They were the only source of uh, European fuses that I could find that would get them in, in decent quantities. So, uh, you know, just offhand, I've used them so much. I would say they're probably one of my best resources for, for German car repair, Pelican Parts. Absolutely. Wayne Dempsey, the CEO at Pelican Parts, has been a guest here on Cars, yeah. He is very, very particular. Great resource out there for all those parts. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Boy, you know, I think it would be fun to get all my past mentors together and have a drink. <laughs> I can't say any any one person necessarily, but it would be fun to get those guys back together. Knowing what I know now versus what I knew then, mm-hmm. I would certainly be more eager to, to tap their, their brains for more advice on things. You know, I'm, I'm kind of getting that now, but... Uh, Jeez. Um, a, mentor pa- a mentor party. I think that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, one of the first people I remember as a mentor was my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Gerald Campbell. Mm-hmm. You know, Butch has been a mentor. Carlo Durante from Alpha Tacoma and his brother Lino, they helped mentor me along. Right. Tom Russ from Tom Rust Racing. Here's a guy that took a chance on me and hired me and moved me down to California to work on his Formula Fords. Joe Huffaker, who had some really good advice. By the way, when I worked at uh, Huffaker Racing, Joe sat down at the welding table and he did the most beautiful well that I'd ever seen. Here's a man that's in his office designing race cars, but could come out into the shop and weld as good or better than anybody else. Yeah, wow. So, you know, and it it, it was just amazing to see that. And, you know, it, it, I wish I could have learned more from him. You have been a great mentor oh, to me, not only for, for the business side, but, you know, some of my life experiences. So yeah. I think getting all the mentors together and, and talking to them and getting some advice and, you know, I think that would be awesome. 
Well, I'd be honored to be at that party with uh, amongst those other very great, respectable people. Fantastic. And I appreciate the, the kind words. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Tim has been so kind to share on his show notes page at carsyad.com slash Tim Willard. W-I-L-L-A-R-D is Tim's last name. You'll also find a great place on the Cars Yad website called Guest Recommended Books, where there's uh, oh, hundreds, if not a thousand books listed there with quick, easy links to buy. I've made it very easy for you to go in and use that resources. Just type on the resources page here at Cars Yad on the website and you'll find Guest Recommended Books. All right, Tim, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car, and I know you like bikes, so I'll include collector motorcycle if that's the case, or race car, but you can't sell it and buy a bunch of other toys. So the idea of picking a GTO and then getting a garage full of stuff uh, is off the table. You got to keep this car. You got to drive it. I know you like to drive stuff. You don't like, you're not into garage queens. So I'm not worried about yeah. you there, but money is no object. I'm getting out the big cars. Yeah. Checkbook today. So what would that vehicle be and why? Well, it, it might be a disappointment, uh, checkbook wise, but probably, uh, an Alfa Romeo GTV Sprint Veloce 60. 665, 1600, one of the early 105 series. It's what the Alfa Romeo GTA was based on. And the reason why is it's such a, a pure driving car. The two-liter engine with the Weber carburetors just makes the most beautiful noise. The the exhaust is, is pure. The driving sensation of the car, the, the styling, everything about the car, it, it just pushes all my buttons. When I first started at Alfa Tacoma, we serviced many of those cars, and they were always my favorites. Always wanted to have a GTA, but those things are pretty much unattainable. I would say a GTA, but after driving one, they aren't very good road cars. So I would say the street variant would be uh, much more desirable for me. And it's something that I would enjoy driving. You know, you get into an exotic car and it's more of a liability on the roads today, especially in this area. So something like, like that would be a joy to drive. Just take it out in the morning on a, a nice country road, head up to the mountains, you know, stop for coffee and just enjoy the environment, enjoy the sounds, the sensations. So that, that would be my car, probably a 65 uh, Alfa Romeo GTB. 1600. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, yeah. Very beautiful cars. Absolutely. Do you still have your Ducati? You know, I do. I uh, still have my 748. It's hard to believe that the, the bike is 17 years old <laughs> yes. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll let our listeners know that when I started riding bikes again, uh, Tim was so nice. He spent a lot of time riding with me. We'd go for rides after work at night. I had a Ducati Monster and MV Agusta F4. He had an MV Agusta F4 at the time, so we had matching bikes, which was awesome. Everywhere we went, we were superstars because those bikes are really fun. We spent a day at the track together riding bikes. So uh, yeah, he got me back on the road safe and sound and quite fun. But the Alfa Romeo GTV Sprint Veloce, wow, nice choice. Nice choice. Well, Tim, my friend, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've learned a few more things about you, which I thought I knew everything about you for all the years that we worked. But I appreciate you sharing some time with us tonight and sharing your journey with the Car Show listeners. Before we drive off into the sunset would you offer us a parting piece of wisdom or guidance and then i'll uh, pull up in that alfa romeo gtv sprint veloce for you oh yeah uh, it goes back to what my grandfather said I'm, I'm at the point in my life where all i want to do is the best work i can possibly do at 54 how many more years do i have left doing this you know 
10, 15. So I want these last few years to, to really count, really matter. So I'm at a point now where I, I want to do the best and it makes you happy. It can drive you crazy, but at the end of the day, you'll be satisfied with what you've done. So just whatever it is you choose to do, try to do the best you can. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with what you're doing these days? Well, you know, I have an Instagram page, Prova, M-O-35. You can see what I'm doing at the shop and some uh, some house projects, uh, maybe an occasional cat picture or two. <laughs> and that's what I usually do is I, I post a lot of stuff on Instagram. So yeah. you can follow me on Instagram. You don't have to to ask for uh, permission to, to see my page. It's open to the public. So yeah, check it out. See what I'm doing. If you want to know what we're up to at the shop, oftentimes I post pictures of that. So yeah, Prova MO35 on Instagram. And of course, Prova, P-R-O-V-A-M-O-35. Is that what you said? Correct. Yeah, that's the Prova MO35 is a license number used by Ferrari race cars and prototype cars of the, the late 50s, early 60s. That's where that came from. Been using that for years. I was hoping you were going to tell our listeners that. And those uh, Tifosis out there will know that. Well, you can find links to everything Tim has shared again on his show notes page here at carsyad.com. Just type Tim or Tim Willard into the search bar and that page will pop up. I would encourage you to follow him on Instagram. He posts a lot of very cool pictures of the cars he's working on all the time. He's a very talented guy, and I think you'll enjoy following him on Instagram. I'll make sure there's a link on his show notes page. Hey, Tim, thanks for spending a little time this evening. I know it's getting late. We're here almost 9 o'clock here on a uh, Monday night, but, you know, guys like us work 24-7, so it doesn't really matter. But I appreciate you being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. So good to talk to you again. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Great to catch up. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.